intimacy with our family and so we are excited to talk about that we're going to talk about intimacy um, and family I said that Um, focusing kind of specifically on the husband and wife relationship and the parent and child relationship and if you're not married or if you're not a parent um, please still keep your ears open. A lot of this stuff can still apply. You know, we're a family in this body, and so even if you're not currently raising children of your own, you're impacting the kids here, and so all of this, all of this stuff will be good. Um, <clears throat> And I also just really felt like God put on my heart before we go into all this. I mean, we're talking about, you know, all these great ways to have family unity and a marriage. And in so many ways we fall so short. And um, and I just felt God just cover us with grace this morning and just say, you know, there is no... Um, room for condemnation or discouragement from him like you are already loved you're already accepted so you don't have to do anything to gain that you already have that so that means we get to pursue living a godly life doing things his way in freedom in being drawn by love and so I just want to say no condemnation if anything we talk about is far from your reality you know, just bless you in that. So Bill wants to start with um, some general intimacy thoughts. On the general. Get it? <laughs> okay. So I thought we ought to start with, like, what do I mean when I say intimacy? Yeah. Or what do we mean when we say intimacy since um, we're the ones talking? Um, and I kind of boil it down to knowing and being known. Okay. Um, and, and I also put a little something to, like, what is perfect intimacy? What's the greatest, you know, ideal of that thing? And I say perfect intimacy is full exposure to another in the presence and freedom of total acceptance. Yeah. So Mary was talking about how we're accepted by God. You know, the, the ultimate intimacy we can have is with God. He already accepts us. There's total freedom in that to be fully known. Right? God already fully knows us. I find in my life, and maybe you do in yours, we, I can live not fully in touch with that. You know, maybe sections of me that I am hiding, even though he can, I know he can still see it, I don't live in it or embracing it or taking it to him or talking to him about it. Um, uh, but I can if I choose to change my mind about how I'm doing that. Um, and that makes me go deeper with God. You know, anything that, that I, I'm hiding from him, even though that's an impossibility, just keeps our relationship from going deeper or being fuller. Um, you know, and then in our innermost circles in life, we can approach the ideal. We can, we can get close, and particularly in a marriage. My greatest opportunity to be intimate with another human being is... Right here, <laughs> with Marilyn, right? Um, children, my, our children are next, maybe. And But you've got inner circles, you know. If you're not married, or even if you are, there are friends that you're tight with. The intimacy is really a big deal, and you can go deeper. Um, I just wanted to mention, kind of in passing, that there is wisdom in becoming intimate or going for intimacy, uh, making yourself known appropriately. So you've got to know the right people and the right depth. 
Um, you don't want to, obviously, the ridiculous example would be to walk up to a stranger and tell them the worst thing you ever did or something like that. You know what I mean? Nobody's going to do that, but it is really important to find the right people to go deeper with in the right depth. We can have a mistake on either side. I don't go deep with anyone. That's a mistake of, you know, missing out on intimacy. Or I could try to go too deep with people or the wrong people, and that ends in hurt and and just doesn't end well. Um, so, what is a what does a safe person look like to be intimate with? You know, I thought maybe that's an important thing to to figure out. You know, in my opinion, it's somebody who's uplifting and encouraging, somebody who shares shares their thoughts and their life with me. So it's reciprocal; it's going back and forth with intimacy, and they're discreet with the things that I share. Um, I picked on someone in first service and said, you know, if I tell them and then I, someone else comes up and knows about all the stuff going on with me, okay, maybe that first one wasn't wasn't the guy for me to be tight friends with and share my intimate details with. you got to kind of feel that out as you're going into friendships, you know what I mean? As you're uh, trying to go deeper, you know. So that's why you, you take your time, you go slow, and you figure it out. Um, so somebody who's jun- judgmental or critical, somebody who leaks your secrets or doesn't do that reciprocating um, intimacy thing with you, somebody they, they're just not ready for it. It doesn't mean you have to cut them off and not be their friend or something, but it means they're not ready to go deep. So you got to stay at a certain level with them. You can pray and encourage them and hope, you know, that they'll go deeper that they'll become a safe person but if they're not right now you know that's just fine find find someone who is safe um so if i'm gonna be known by merrily or my closest friend i kind of got to know myself right like (laughs) i can tell merrily all about the things that happened at work and that's great and that's a start to intimacy that's a level of intimacy but how much deeper is it if I tell her how that made me feel and how it struck a chord with this other relationship in my life you know my boss reminds me so much of Uncle Tom or Uncle Joe or my dad and you know like now I've gone deeper with myself because I've understood that thing whatever it is and I can share it with her and we go deeper so there's an element of self-discovery of understanding your own heart's motives and processing your own fears and baggage and wounds that's a key to intimacy to go really deep to have you know closer to that ideal relationship I put in my notes you got to go all archaeologist on yourself and, and <laughs> dig it up so like Mary said we're in a series the next core value is restoration we're going to talk about that kind of stuff so you get three solid months of learning and going deep with in yourself um, but you can keep in mind like hey as I learn that stuff I can share it and get intimacy which is a great thing um, so it can feel kind of risky to open up and I just wanted to offer this as motiv- motivation you know you may be like hey I'm not going to go there <laughs> too risky no way can't do it um, but I, I wrote this what I choose to hide I carry alone and I'm isolated in that area of my life And it'll stay that way until I'm willing to open up and share it with someone safe. So there's a great benefit to being able to share your burdens with somebody. Um, It lightens your load and it makes it better. And then there's this kind of great quote from a book I wanted to share that kind of sums up what I feel like the culture and like at least how I live in our culture can tend to be. And it's counter to intimacy. It says we're not inviting, we're guarded people. Most of our energy is spent trying to hide our true selves and control our world to have some sense of intimacy, uh, 
No, wrong word. <laughs> to have some sense of security. Read it again. Read it again, she says. Yeah, I slaughtered it a bit. So we're not inviting people to intimacy. We're guarded. Most of our energy is spent trying to hide our true selves and control our world to have some sense of security. I find that really can, can be really true, you know? All right, same. Yeah, I like how you said intimacy is full exposure to another in the presence and freedom of total acceptance. I thought that's great. Far apart on this stage. Come closer. Okay, so family intimacy is strongly influenced by the mom and dad's relationship, right? The marriage. So let's talk about that. Ephesians 5 talks about how husbands are to love and cherish their wives just like Christ does the church. Not by domineering over her, but by cherishing her. And that wives are to honor and respect and submit to their husbands. And when the wife does that, she's actually showing her support for Christ in doing that. So let's take that, couple it with two main points from Wild at Heart and Captivating. These are books that talk about the core question of a man's heart and a woman's heart. The core question they say of a man's heart is, do I have what it takes? And the core question of a woman's heart is, am I lovely? And these questions are asked from the time you're young and you're seeking answers to them your whole life and obviously hopefully you're answered yes and not no but anyway it just struck me that when a wife honors her husband she's answering his question do I have what it takes with yes and when a husband cherishes and loves his wife he's answering the question of am I lovely with yes and um so we get to affirm that question when we're married. We get to affirm that in our spouse. And and if you're not married, you know, it can go beyond that. You can, um, in friendships and other men and women, think of honoring them by answering these questions in a, in a healthy way. Um, but... Um, so the Bible says, husbands, love your wives, wives, honor your husbands. And Bill and I have, have kind of been in this season of figuring out what does that mean? I don't know how long ago it was, maybe a year ago or whatever. We both talked to each other and, and kind of confessed that we both felt like we were loved. Like, you know, he felt loved, but he didn't feel honored. And I felt loved, but I didn't feel cherished. There was something missing, a deeper um, a deeper thing there. And when he told me that at first, I was kind of mad. I was like, well, I don't know how to honor you. Like, we live in a culture where honor is the most foreign thing ever. And what am I supposed to do? So I was kind of mad at first. Like, what am I supposed to do this? But anyway, so it's been this fun journey of figuring out what that means. And so we want to share some of that with you. Um, do you want to go first with the cherish? Yeah, so what does it look like to um, answer that question? So what does cherish mean? I looked it up when Marilyn and I had that conversation. I thought I better know what in the world it means. What is she talking about? If I'm going to try to do it. Um, so it's protect and care for someone lovingly. Adore, hold dear, dote on, revere, esteem, admire, and value highly. So that's kind of what I'm going for with Marilee now. So um, whether I know this question, am I lovely, or this need to cherish exists, I am answering it. 
every day, all the time, I'm answering that question. And for years before I knew it existed, I was answering the question. And a lot of times the answer wasn't what I would want it to be. You know, if I had known what I know now back then, I would have done it different. Um, so my, my actions, my words that I choose, my tone of voice, all are answering the question. Um, I want it to be a resounding yes to Marilee. I love you. You're lovely. I love you. I cherish you. I want to have an adventure together. I'm going to pursue you. Um, those are the things I want to answer. Um, but how do, I, how do I start doing that? Okay? I could say those words. That helps. <laughs> that helps. But there's... Uh, what else can I do? And I thought it's kind of nice to think of a picture. Picture the most lovely woman on earth you know picture someone in a position of great honor a woman of great honor and royalty or whatever it is you know and like what does it look like to come to that woman for me i would probably speak to her with a lot of kindness um softly you know what I mean? Knowing my place, this is someone of great position. Um, I certainly wouldn't be harsh. I wouldn't be severe. I wouldn't um, be argumentative, those kind of things. Um, right? Because if it was the Queen of Hearts, I said this in first service, if it was the Queen of Hearts, it'd be like, off with your head. Oh, yeah, Marilyn's not like that. But, um, so anyways... How would I treat someone of great position? And how am I how am I not doing that with my wife? You know, it's kind of, it lays me bare how uh, not good I'm doing sometimes to think of it in those terms. Um, how often have I violated the position that she actually holds as the queen and woman of honor in our family? Um, and so, okay, I'm not doing it. That's clear to me. <laughs> or I'm not doing it all the time. That's clear to me. The good news is, no matter what's happened, I have an opportunity now going forward, knowing what I know, to do something about it. And how am I going to treat this royal daughter of God and, uh, like I said, the queen of our family? So I can say to her, you're, lo- you're so lovely. Let's go on a date together. Let's spend some time together. You're so lovely. I just want to buy you a gift. You're so lovely. I'm going to do some stuff around the house that you normally do so you get more rest today. You're so lovely. I noticed how talented you are at this one thing and I pay you a compliment on it. You're so lovely. I just have to stop and give you a big hug when I get home from work and a smooch on the lips. (laughs) Right? So those were kind of five like little neat, tidy examples that actually correspond with um, what we're going to talk about later, which is the five love languages, if you've ever read that book. Um, quality time, gifts, um, acts of service, words of affirmation, and uh, physical touch, affection. Awesome. So that's what cherishing looks like, as we've been discovering, and this is what honoring. Did I do it justice? You did awesome. It's been great. That was um, so honoring. <laughs> what you said that I did great. Okay, so honoring your husband looks like, I found, is um, just treating him 
as someone with a deep worth and intrinsic value, not because of what you do, but who you are, that you are a child of God made in his image, so you have this intrinsic value, you know, and um, I just value who, you know, who you are and how you're wired. You know, as wives, when we honor our husbands, we can um, honor their ideas and and how God made them and esteem them and revere them. And so what that can look like is um, that I take take what he says and I don't just dismiss it or scoff at it or add or subtract from it like I just take what he says and accept it and um, even if it was different than what I was thinking and I don't put him down even in a joking manner or belittle him in front, especially in front of people or our kids like just putting him down is the most dishonoring thing and so that's there's just no place for that when, when we're honoring our husbands um, you know I speak to him without harshness in my voice um, without a condescending tone like I'm, I'm so much better than you or something you know that's what that communicates and um so my voice sounds like honor too and I talk to him about hurts before they build up you know because that's usually when harshness can come out right when we've kind of built up these hurts and then we can have harshness so talk to him about it before that happens um and you know I can appreciate what he brings to the marriage and follow his leadership even if it's different than how I would lead that was a big one for me to learn that it's more important to love him and honor him than how the thing goes that I have the best idea for or whatever, you know. That's not as important. <clears throat> but if I do have a concern, if I do have an idea, this would be an honoring way to say it. Um, I could say to him, hey, I see where you're coming from on this and I think it's good and I support you. Um, I do have a concern. My concern is... What do you think about that? And so that's a way you can still, um, you know, bring your concerns and but still honor your husband. And um, so much blessing comes for us wives when we do this. When we, whenever we do anything God's way, we align ourselves under the shoot of blessing. You know, and so this is another example when we um, honor our husbands. We're just setting ourselves up for good stuff. Um, another really cool thing that that um, we all can get blessed from. I'm transitioning now out of the honor thing into a new point. Um, is submitting to covers, um, and um, submitting to a cover. And I'll explain more what I mean by that in a minute. But submitting to a cover is actually for the benefit of the one being covered. So um, this applies not only in like the husband and wife relationship where there's a cover there. It applies to like parent-child. There's a cover there. Um, church authority under the congregation. There's a cover there. Church. Congregation under the church. Oh, okay. I missed that. Thank you. Um, and so those are examples of cover. And um, and how many people feel weird about the word submit? I I mean, it kind of is a little makes me feel a little squirmy. Um, but it's like the reason it makes us feel squirmy is like because Satan has twisted that word submit 
into this negative thing of like you're being controlled you're being like squished and dominated you know like like this negative thing of sub- of submit you're less than you know and that's lies um But before we can fully appreciate the purpose and benefit of coverings, let's look at the original design for them. Our relationship with God is the perfect example. So we submit to God. We come close to him. He's got his wing open, right, for love and comfort and relationship. And you come close and you trust him. You have to trust in order to come in. And um, you're under his cover and you're protected and you're safe and you're warm and cared for. And there's relationship. And um, it's wonderful. And so until we experience that dynamic, I don't think we can ever really appreciate and understand the benefit and the blessing and the good of all other coverings. Does that make sense? Um, so, so for the one doing the covering, love is the motivation, not the desire to control. Um, and until we fully come under the cover of our loving God, trust Him, and experience how amazing it is, all other forms of cover will seem strange. And I did already say that, but I'll say it again. So, um, yeah, so I hope that starts to help understand like what cover is all about and the, and the good that God designed it to be. Um, And let's talk about headship, too. The real prototype for headship comes from God being the head of Christ. And so we can look at that relationship and learn a lot about headship. So 1 Corinthians 11.3 says that God is the head of Christ, Christ is the head of the husband, and the husband is the head of the wife. And we know from other verses that parents are the head of children, just to kind of finish that flow chart for you. Um... So the real prototype for headship comes from God being the head of Christ. God lifted, so what did God do? God lifted Christ up and gave him all power and all authority. And we see that Christ was fully submitted to God. You know, he's like whatever, you know, when you see me, you see the Father. I do what I see the Father doing. Not my will, but yours be done. Christ was fully fully submitted to him and what did God do raise him up give him authority and so if you are a husband a parent a church leader one meant to offer that cover your goal then should be to raise up to give strength to give protection to give authority to the ones that you cover while their goal is to align themselves under your cover and trust and um, be at peace. So, yeah. All right. So we love family stuff. We love having a family. We do healing and restoration ministry at church, so we talk to people about their families. And there's just a lot to say this morning, so sometimes it's just going to be like, hey, we want to get this out there. Here's a thought on family stuff. Um, And here's one of those. (laughs) Tenderness. Guys, tenderness. It's girl stuff, right? (laughs) That's what our culture tells us. That's the way I've thought of it. Like, tenderness and nurture, that's... That's not for me. That's like uh, 
the expression of God's tenderness and nurture is in the woman, right? Well, that's true. And we have like these two gender expressions of the image of God in man and woman. And it's totally true. But I can like miss out on a whole chunk of life if I go, well, that's not for me. You know what I mean? And like, how do I respond to my lovely wife that I cherish doing this awesome like submitting thing and honoring thing to me? Tenderness. I mean, what, you know, do I, do I come at all of that wonderful stuff with, like, the strong, disconnected leadership? Like, here's where we're going, woman. <laughs> Not really. You know, like, strength is in us, right? That, man, that's part of our expression of God is, like, a strength in leadership. And here's where we're going, and we have a purpose, and we're going on an adventure, and let's go do stuff. And that's good. I'm not saying that's not. But both can exist at the same time. You know what I mean? I can respond to her honor and stuff with, like, tenderness. I can be gentle and strong at the same time with her. And so I'm just kind of throwing that out there to embrace both things. Don't miss out on a chunk of life just because, you know, gender stuff gets inflated a little more than it has to be. All right. So family unity. Yeah, that was good. Um, So it it was just impressed on me how much God loves unity. We're talking about family unity, and I just felt God just his excitement for unity. He is unity. That's who he is. You know, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's unity within himself. And so um, marriage is so cool because we get to, you know, he made men in his image and he made women in his image and then when they come together in a marriage you get an even more complete picture of God and the unity of a marriage and all these attributes expressed in one and um so that's just a beautiful thing to your kids a picture of the oneness of God and to others and um you know because he is nurturing and he is strong like Bill was talking about both can be there he cares about the little things and he cares about the whole world at the same time it's amazing and um so marriage is that picture of unity and children can then come in the unity of the family as well with their parents and be in unity with each other within the siblings and create this whole unified family and it's even more amazing you know and what that looks like when I was thinking about it is each family member you know being valued and important and having a role and a purpose within the family unit you know each member learning to love the others and honor and value the others for who they are and um, what they bring to the family whole. Um, you know, children really need to feel that, that who they are is valid. You know, their personality, their way of giving and receiving love. Um, and so it's so important, as we were talking about the love languages, to learn the love language of each member of the family so that we can really love them in their language, you know, and um, each one feeling valued and loved. Do you want to say something? Yeah, so I think I listed what they were before, physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts, and quality time. And if we recognize how each person in the family can best give and receive love, we can make a greater impact with them. Um, is kind of the, the crux of the whole thing. And then maybe an easy example is to take my relationship with Micah, my son. He 
He wants quality time for me more than anything. Like, he loves getting gifts and toys, too, but he loves quality time. So, like, if I go upstairs and, like, say one of his chores is to keep his room clean and it's really dirty, and I go and, like, pick it all up for him and go, Hey, hey, bud, look, you don't have to do that chore. I did it for you. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> he would have much rather had me take that 15 minutes or whatever it was and do something with him, you know? He would much rather have me go out and we do little dribbling drills with the basketball because he, he's into basketball all of a sudden. I'm like, all right, see if you can do this. See if you can do that. You know, he loves that. Let's go ride bikes. Let's go build something in Minecraft together, right? And I like that one too. It's fun. Um, so anyways, that's what is the best thing I can do for him. That's the way that I can tell him I love him the best and it makes the greatest impact. It's also the way that I can make the largest negative impact if I'm not paying attention. You know what I mean? If I overbook and overschedule my life and don't have time set aside for him, he's going to get starved real quick. You know, or maybe someone with a different thing. A busy schedule is fine as long as you keep complimenting him throughout the day. They're a words of affirmation person. So I just have, just being aware can help us be kind of strategic about giving love to those in the family. And so here's another kind of side note. Harshness. What the heck? <laughs> we all do it. Uh, what does the Bible say about harshness? Proverbs 15.1 A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You know, And then in another place, Proverbs says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You know, So our words are bringing life or bringing death. And in the family, harshness is death. <laughs> it's bringing death to the family. You know, And so what does that mean? It means i got to pay attention to what's coming out of my mouth. And when it's harsh, go, oh my gosh, I'm really sorry. You know, I got frustrated. I lost my cool and apologize. Um, and there are some techniques, you know, we can have. One is obviously patience helps a lot. Harshness comes out of frustration. And like with the kids, if stuff's going on that, that gets to me quickly, all right, I got to grow in patience. That's kind of the obvious one. But the other thing is, it's okay if you're not a perfectly patient person right now. And what you can do in the meantime is start to get to know yourself, like I was saying earlier, and go, hey, this certain situation gets under my skin, so I've got to catch it early and do something healthy about it before I blow up. So what does that look like? Um, one of my children can tend to obey barely. You know what I mean? Like Walk the line. This one is doing what I've asked them to do slowly <laughs> right like they're watching a show and I go hey would you please put your shoes in the closet where they go this is a made up example okay and they grab the shoes and they're watching holding the shoes watching the show the shoes are not getting put away but they're not exactly disobeying and this is one of the things that gets under my skin and if we have a day where we spend a lot of time together and a lot of this like borderline obedience is going on eventually I lose my cool Come on, you guys. When I see something, you got to just do it, okay? You know, and I lose my cool. And then all of a sudden, that's harshness, and I'm destroying intimacy in the family. When what I can, and I sometimes get it right, is I go, when I'm still calm and still able, before I get too far, I go, hey, hey, sweetie, hey, bud. I noticed that you are obeying, but it's barely. You know, you're doing it, but you're doing it slowly. And it's really not quite obedience. So 
I'm going to ask you again to put the shoes away, and I, just, I need you to do it, all right? And I can do it in a really calm and healthy way. And then I ask again, hey, would you put those shoes away? And then they go and do it, and then everything's all good. Or they don't go and do it, and I can offer a healthy consequence without being harsh. Hey, you chose to disobey. Here's the consequence for that. You're going to sit on the step for five minutes, and I'll let you know when your timeout's done, and we'll talk about it, right? That's okay, too. Both are okay because I haven't destroyed intimacy. You can actually, this is another side note, not even the notes. Off the cuff. I don't have cuffs, but we're off on them. Um, intimacy is built in times of discipline. I find that with the kids all the time. When I handle it really well, we get closer as a result of that time out or that consequence, whatever it was. And so there's a real opportunity there if we can avoid the harshness thing and avoid getting to our limit when it's already too late. Um, Yeah, I just want to say, like, so if this is an area that you stumble up in a lot, um, you know, um, our families see us at our best. They know your strengths better than anybody else, and they know your weaknesses better than anyone else. And so when you do slip up, you know what, just repent and come back together and repair the unity that was broken by that sin you know it can be repaired you know guys I'm sorry I don't want to yell at you I don't want to treat you this way you know and and repair what's been broken it's you know yeah that's that's there it's not like it's broken forever so um that's really good. I got off track. Okay, so, um, yes, this is what I want to say. Honoring and valuing what the kids bring to the family whole. So um, think of a pie chart. And children, we're, we're a lot about charts this morning. Can I think we? of just pie? I want to think of You pie. could. You could a slice of pie. Um, sale. <laughs> think of a pie chart. Children must have an important appropriate sized piece of the whole if their piece is too large they'll get discouraged because they can't meet it or they'll keep striving to meet it and miss out on the simplicity of childhood and be forced to grow up too fast if their piece is too small they feel like they aren't all that important and they don't actually really matter too much they're not all that valuable to the family, but when they have an appropriate size piece, they'll feel needed and valuable to the family whole. Parents will get to tell them, you're doing a great job, you have what it takes, you got this, um, and they'll learn, hey, I do have what it takes, you know, um, and it can start really young with babies, like, can you help? You know, I'm picking up. Can you help the family throw the diaper away for me? Thank you. That really helps. That really helps the family. I appreciate you, you know, instilling in them their place in in the family and importance in that. And then as they get older, obviously, you know, mowing the lawn, that really contributes to helping the family. I appreciate that. Um, You matter is what you're communicating. And that is a really important uh, thing to instill in a child that I matter. You know, um, Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Super common verse, right? Um, I thought about this verse in a new way recently. I thought, what would I not want my child to depart from as an adult? You know, thinking about it backwards. Am I training them now in those ways? Um, 
And, I, and I'm not expecting perfection from them right now. There's room for them to be kids. But, you know, as a parent, you see patterns. You see, like, okay, over the course of this time, like, they're not very respectful to us when we talk to them. Or, you know, they're not really all that nice to younger kids and valuing their younger siblings and the younger, you know, sort of these patterns to see, well, um, I would want to train them in that now so that when they're older, that's in them and they they won't depart from it. Um, So that verse teaches us that um, their behavior now and what I teach them now directly affects their behavior as an adult. so, you know, how do they respond to discipline? You know, this is a good um, thing to look at and ask yourself and train them up in um, healthy discipline and how to respond to that and restore relationship afterwards. How do they treat themselves? Like, how do they feel about themselves, you know? Um, and, and we can teach our kids, you know, I can teach my daughter now how to treat her husband by the way I treat mine. And he can teach Micah how to treat his wife by the way he treats me, you know. And so train up in the way. Let's not disconnect our kids' adult life from their toddler and younger years, you know. It's, it's quite connected, this verse teaches us. Yeah, so I wanted to give a couple of examples real quick of that. So... Um, hey kiddos, we're kind to others and we care for their feelings, so we don't call names. And if we do something hurtful, we apologize. You know? Or hey kids, we choose to be forgiving just as God forgives us. So when someone apologizes to me, I accept it and I say, I forgive you. Even when they don't apologize, I choose to forgive them anyway. Um, hey kids, when we're angry, we don't sin. We talk with the person and work it out. And if we need help resolving it, we ask mom and dad to help us and coach us through it. Hey kiddos, we're respectful to those in authority, so we don't act annoyed when mom and dad ask us to do something. So, I mean, when we, we actually literally say stuff like this, and I think it's really good. And Marilee gets all the credit for this good technique, because she's great at it. You know, the kids will be... Um, Doing whatever. I was going to make one a really concrete example there, but I got distracted. Is it about the right. grades and the money? Um, yes, thank you. She reminded me. Thank you, sweet. <laughs> so I think Marilee does it. No. No. That was a different point. I'll use an example from... Never mind. Let's just move on. Okay. Let's just move on, guys. We're, we're in extra time anyway. If this was World Cup, okay. we're beyond 90 minutes. <laughs> Somebody watch World Cup soccer? They play a 90-minute game, but if someone gets injured during the game, they add on extra time at the end. It's called injury time. All okay. the time the guys flail on the ground. Okay. Anyways, okay. Now you know. Go watch World Cup. You know what I'm talking okay, about. Okay. We are almost done, but a few more good things to stick with us. Okay. So children get to learn about what God's like by the way their parents and other authority figures act. So we're like representations to them of what God's like. So guess what? As you grow close to God, you learn more what he's like. You get to turn right around and show that to your kids. Super fun. Um, And so I love to see in my kids, like the way they're relating to me. Okay, if I'm God to them, how, or an example of God to them, how do I... Um, 
how do I act? I want to act towards them the way God acts. And um, I noticed an example of this was um, Aaliyah, whenever she would get hurt or something was wrong, she would run away from me and she would hide behind the curtain or go up to her room and I would try to like come up after her. Are you, oh no, you got hurt, come here. No, you know, she she did not want me coming after her. And I, it struck me like, oh, like when we're hurt or something's wrong, we need to run to God. Like comfort is so important. And in running to comfort, and he is our comforter, and it's so valuable. And so I, I noticed this pattern in her, and so I told her, I was like, Aaliyah, when something's wrong, the most important thing, the thing you need most right then is comfort. And I'm your comforter, so run to me, and I can give you that. And um, so it was just really fun to see that change in her. And, and, and at first, she kind of wouldn't really receive it. But now she'll just receive it. And, you know, it just, um, I want her to have that close, intimate relationship with God when she's out of my house, when I'm not there to comfort her. I want her to run to God, and we can and we can teach our kids those things. I thought of my example now. Okay. Real quick. You ever see your kids, the one sibling does something to the other, and then this one hauls off and hits the other one. You know what I mean? And you're like, hey, you, you can't hit your brother. <laughs> and they're like, well, they did such and such to me. And that's where it comes in where we go, okay, so that made you angry. And it's okay that you felt angry. It's not okay to hit your brother. You know, be angry, do not sin was the example. So why don't you go and talk to him about what he was doing and how it made you feel angry. And let me know if you need help. And then you send him off. And then it, you kind of listen in. It's not going well. So you, you coach, at least at the ages we're at, right? <laughs> And sometimes, actually, even at their ages, they do it. And it's just, it's that train up a child thing. What examples, what patterns do we want them to know? Or like muscle memory, if anybody golfs, I'm in sports examples here, right? You swing the club again and again and again until your muscles just do it. You don't think about it anymore. And sometimes you play your best when you're not thinking about it because your muscles have the memory. We want these, like, emotional muscles developed in the kids where they just naturally talk it out. They just naturally feel anger and are okay with it in the sense that they don't have to act out in a way that hurts someone else. We want them to just have that trained up and built into them. So, yeah. I was able to Good, good job. And so that, that actually sums it up. Sums it up. So let's just have a few minutes of response time. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, God, we just we just thank you um, for these words, and uh, I just pray right now um, that you would just come over each heart here with your tender love, and um, just softly lift out an area that we've talked about today that you want to talk to them about, and um, I'm just going to, you know, allow silence for a bit for you guys to talk to God about something. let God speak to you about you know knowing and being known with him you know maybe he'll bring up an area where an area we've just been avoiding for a long time for years don't want to go there 
And if he highlights it, that means he wants to love you there. Um, so, so trust him. Take a risk. Go there. Be willing to talk to him about it. You know, and I think also maybe people will have people come to their minds, friends, you know, or family members that you just are starting to realize, yeah, I, I could do more to build intimacy there. I could be a safer place for them to be intimate with me, or or I could open up a little more there. And um, yeah, just let God highlight that and then look for opportunities to do it. And while you guys are in an attitude of prayer, I just want to talk to anyone here who hasn't um, ever started a relationship with God before. He's He's not um, your father yet. You haven't uh, accepted uh, his gift of, of adoption to be his son or daughter. Um, the Bible says in Ephesians 1 that long, long ago, he decided to adopt you into his family through Jesus Christ. And he took great pleasure in planning this. So as we're talking about family today, he desires for you to be in his family. Um, Jesus died on the cross as payment for your sins so that you wouldn't have to die, that you could just uh, be cleansed through his sacrifice. And all it takes is you saying, oh, I accept that gift. Thank you, God. I want to be one of your kids. Would you forgive me? I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Father. You can do that this morning and be adopted into the family. Um, yeah, so we're just going to close service now. And, um, and we have the prayer team available over here. If you would like any further prayer about anything that we talked about today, or if you um, prayed that prayer I just talked about, um, accepting a relationship with God as your Father, please come and pray some more with them. And um, also we have the prophetic team over here, a group of people trained to hear God's voice and share a word with you. It's amazing if you've never experienced that ministry before. Other than that, we have an amazing bake sale with lots of pies and cookies. So stand up, greet one another. You are dismissed.
Your spirit speaks and moves in me And I awaken to your love You're drawing me onto my knees And I'm astounded by your love Cause you spoke life into my lungs And you are the air I breathe You are the air I breathe Still you